attention in Sacramento he was not in Fort Worth but he seems to have been everywhere else uh, as number 16c strange cargo uh, DNH own and uh, he was in Sacramento and he was in Glendale bulls outstanding he was actually in the short run of Sacramento uh, handled Ryan dirty pretty pretty quick they marked him 45 and three quarters bucked off Nathan Nathan Burdenshaw in Sacramento also they marked him 45. In Glendale, he bucked off Eduardo Aparecido. Um, the Bull has won a bunch, and uh, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do in the competition side of it. It is it is pretty cool. We've seen that Bull as a two-year-old in, in Los Lunas, uh, the American Heritage West, um, really buck. He was over 90 with the dummy, and, and I don't want to be caught wrong, but I do think he won that, that event that year. But, I mean, they – he won, uh-huh. sec- he won second at the American Heritage West, won yeah. just right at about 10K, and won third at the American Heritage and won oh, yeah. 30,000. Yeah, so he's sure enough, sure enough, real deal with the dummy. You talk about being everywhere. Heck, they bucked him at, uh, at Odessa's Pro Rodeo. Uh, they 47 him, and, and then he was right there close, 40, 46, or, or 45 and a half his second trip. Um, and I actually seen the videos of both of them trips in Odessa, and he was really, really good. Uh, had some good guys on him, and yeah, and talking about you know that bull's breeding 16132 is an old kind of a foundation cow for DNH cattle, and and that cow does not miss. Budicon was in the running, you know, last year had some really high markings. That's a 16132. Um, I believe uh, there was another bull. He was a I think he was a hustler bull that was yeah. out of 16132. Yeah, little slinger. 66T hustling. Hustling, yeah, that's right. I mean, that cow doesn't miss, and so it's no no surprise that that strange cargo is yet again another one. He doesn't look like a very big bull. He doesn't look real intimidating, from what I can tell. He's out of the right hand delivery, around to the right. We talked to Roy Doyle uh, on the last podcast, and man, this bull looks like he's got all the all the criteria that Roy's looking for. That's that is for sure. Um, a bull that that I I like. Uh, we've seen him at, at Fort Worth actually. And kind of, in, in my opinion, I thought the bull kind of, uh, I thought he was a little better than they marked him. But again, talking to Roy, that's just how it is. But a bull called Sin City of, of Hal Payne in, in Harmon's, um, kind of a cool thing. Uh, he, he's a he's a son of karaoke, and he looks just like karaoke. And uh, karaoke went to NFR PBR finals, won just shy of 60,000. And that Sin City's the real deal. Leaps in there, turns back, and... and gets off the ground, kicks, and I, I look for him to be a handful for them, for the guys on, on the built for tough level even. I think that bull is going to win a lot this year. Another bull that I wanted to bring up, Kyle, um, he's been he's been to the finals last year, but he hasn't really been. Um, he won second in the derby last year, and I, I kind of assume that's what got him into the finals, but he bucked off Dinner Barbosa in the Velocity Tour derby. And in the world finals, uh, according to Pro Bull Stats, Box K raised him 162 right stuff. Looks like Craig Smith and uh, owns him now. He's out of the left, around to the left. He was at Fort Worth. He did get a little piece of the money at Fort Worth, but not much. He won second in the world finals derby, won just over 12,000. He's won almost 60,000 in his career. Uh, he looks like the real deal, and I don't know. I'm excited to see some more of those top-level guys get on him. Have you seen him, Kyle? Yeah, yeah, that right stuff. Dennis Owens uh, is, is is kind of the handler on that bull. 
Um, and and I I really like that blood. I remember watching the, the deal in Vegas there, the three year old deal, and that sucker really bucked. And I thought he was really good at uh at Fort Worth as well. Um, did you look him up at all? He's kind of his mom's all there as well. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat, really. Um, he's a son of Apollo, and his mom is actually a full sister to another box cable that did really well, named Half Nuts. Uh, so his mom is a Buckeye daughter out of a Dillinger cow. Uh, Dillinger, in my opinion, was one of the greatest of all time. So I love to see him in a pedigree. But more excited about that is I think I love the full sister thing. I love I love it when a full sister to a great bull works and goes on to produce. I think that's pretty cool. There, there's another bull too that Box K has. I believe his number is like 187 or 167. I believe they call him High Rise, um, and he's just a three-year-old this year. But they've they've been entering him um, quite a bit and doing doing well at, at the casino and stuff. And he's also out of that same cow. Um, cool. him, that that cow to the damn the right stuff. Sure enough, all there. Yeah, and he he looked like a handful. He looked like a bigger frame bull. Uh, like I said, we've seen him against Dinner Barbosa, but I'm I'm real curious to see him against some other guys. Maybe a left-hander can take him a little further, and uh, sure. maybe the judges will like him. Um, another bull I kind of kind of wanted to touch on just a little bit is is the bull KBRC's Preacher's Kid. Preacher's Kid. Um, we've seen that bull in Vegas. I want to say, um, I guess I didn't quite do my homework well enough, but I want to say he 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 win the the deal there or split the win at, at the three-year-old deal in Vegas uh, in 18 and that bull that bull really really bucked and he was at Fort Worth as well and I thought he was really good in Fort Worth may have been just a little long uh, but kind of again meets the criteria and leaps off the ground and, and really bucks and and heck he's he's bred his dad went to the finals high stakes of DNH cattle I think that bull's in Colorado now and uh, out of an I'm a gangster daughter it seems like that I'm a gangster stuff starting to show up quite a bit in these bulls that are winning money. Yeah, that's right. Uh, lastly, I guess uh, this bull here, he's kind of, I don't think he's been been hauled a whole too lot, but Uncle Gangster, uh, I believe he's with J.W. Hart and, and his partners. Um, again, he's an I'm a gangster son as well, out of a real deal cow. Now, touch on a couple of things. They were 91 and a quarter, 91 and three quarters on him. Last year at Springfield, it's a classic. Um, the bull went to the finals uh, last year in the, uh, to the classic finals. Um, we've seen him at Fort Worth, and he kind of scooted away from that guy just a little bit. I don't think they marked him quite as high. But the cool thing is, is he's out of a real deal cow um, of Kish's. Uh, some people on the East Coast, Seth, Seth Clapp owns a cow, and, and that cow is a sure-hit cow. She's the damn Uncle Gangster. Um, there's a bull that, that he's partners with the B&H cattle, a bull called tried and tested. Um, he's also out of that cow. And another cool thing, there was a, uh, a little black bull. We, we covered an event, uh, on the East coast of fraternity. The bull that won that event is actually out of a daughter of that cow. And so, I mean, you talk about of all ages, we got, we got two year olds, three year olds and four year olds that all two sons and a grandson of all the same cow. I thought that was pretty interesting digging into that. That's a maternal line that uh, you could get on board with. Oh, man. Yeah, especially when, when you don't miss. And I talked to Seth after that deal, after that fraternity in, in North Carolina. And he's kind of kind of basing his program off that cow, flushing her to some, some page sires and, and some other stuff that's worked for him. Um, and then he's really excited about the future of that cow and what her daughters and sons will be able to do for his program. A good friend of mine calls that maternal consistency. Yeah, I think I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that being said, Oklahoma City coming up, a lot of really good bulls. I know we touched on a few, but kind of some maternal lines there and bulls that we, we've seen that have done really good. Um, but, but there could be something in there, you know, that we didn't touch on, sure enough, come through and fire. But while we're at it, Thor, talking about events and, and all the, the places we can go with these bulls, um, we get a shout out to Paragon Cattle Services, uh, Amanda Sears. She offers uh, bull and cow mortality insurance. You know, if them bulls get hurt, you can't you can't compete with them. Have to be put down. Um, you know, they'll be covered on insurance. And and there's a way that they come up with a with a determined price. I don't think you can just put whatever number you want on there. But maybe a good investment for for people with uh, with these bulls and even you know high dollar cows like the one we're talking about. You can't. I mean, can you really replace that cow? You know what I mean? 
So can you insure a bull uh, that just gets hurt? Maybe he doesn't get fatally injured, but just gets hurt and can't perform? I do believe that'd be a question for Amanda, but, but I do believe that there is some kind of an insurance policy um, along the lines of uh, non, like a non-compete policy. Uh, your premium may be a little higher maybe because it's not for death, you know what I mean? And, and there's a higher chance at, of injury versus death, I guess, but I'm not sure. But I know on the mortality insurance, it's 5% of the total insured amount annually. So it's basically pretty reasonable, maybe worth something uh get in touch with Amanda on. Um, today uh, on, on this episode of Lucky Stock News Podcast, we uh, kind of think this would be interesting and, and it's kind of a hot topic right now. Everybody's just getting through registering their calves and who knows, maybe still trying to register their calves. But um, with us today, we have Marlissa Gonzalez uh, with ABBI Registration. How are you, Marlissa? I'm good. And you guys? Doing good today, Marlissa. Glad, yeah. to, hear you. Glad to hear from you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on, and I'm excited to kind of give an overview of everything and maybe answer some questions that people are concerned about. I'm sure that there's been uh, – you've been swamped. Maybe that's why it's after hours we're, we're able to do this. <laughs> yes. It's still still working at this time of night anyway, just making sure all the imports come in and exports go out. So yeah. still working. Well, that'll lead us right into our first question, Marlissa. One of the things that I've always wanted to know about the registration process is kind of kind of twofold. One, from the from the breeder side, the member side, what is the best way for us to get you the information for the registration process to go smoothly? And two, what do you actually um, does it go to a third party lab, and then data comes back like I. I'm super interested in all that, and I have no idea how it's actually done. Is there any way you could explain part of that to us? Yeah, um, absolutely. So what the process is and the easiest way to do it for us is the online registration. Everybody's been such, you know, does such a great job. As long as everybody gets in their sires and their dams and everything comes through in the registration receipt, and with the re registration receipt, you know, everybody gets registration numbers. So once they put those on the cards and sends the registration receipt in to us um, with the registration numbers on their DNA samples, like we all know that you can either do blood or tail hair now, which is what we've added to make it simpler for people. Now we have half people that use blood and half the people that use tail hair. So people are still using both samples. And once it comes into us, what we do here um, at the office is log all the samples in, make sure everything's correct, um, make sure that there's sires and dams listed, and try to reach out to those that, that may have not gotten in on the online registration. Um, because a lot of those people, sometimes it comes in and it goes out real fast and they didn't have a chance to go over it and look. Um, once Once we get it here in the office, especially this time of year, is really... Um, really busy. So we try to um, log all the samples and that's when everybody gets an email saying, hey, we received your samples, but they don't not, the samples may not get onto their inventory until we have a chance to actually put them in on each animal. So a lot of people are confused about that because we send them an email saying, hey, we received your samples, but we just we need some time to put them in. So that's why we have the email that's sent out. And then within about 10 days at this time of year, then those um, samples will get on their inventory and then they, it'll say it'll go from waiting for samples to pending. And then once it goes to pending, that's when it's sent off to the lab. The lab is um, outsourced, but it's basically our own lab because they only do our samples mostly and that's in California. So what they do is they, they get the genotype and for each animal the genotype is linked to the sample ID which is linked to the registration number and that's how my imports come back in and I, I speak about it my because I'm the one that ends up doing all the verification process here in-house. Um, other labs, other um, Genetic labs will do it for you, but ABBI 
was fortunate enough to develop its own verification program in-house, which makes everything a whole lot faster. Um, I don't know if you guys have realized in the last 10 years how much faster it's gone, oh, yeah. you know, and how much, how much we've improved because we are able to do it in-house. Um, so once the genotypes come back, they're all uploaded into the system. The verification system does its thing automatically. And then that's when you'll kind of see those statuses change. Um, the lab has it um, up for up to two weeks. So sometimes they'll get it to us within seven days. Sometimes it takes up to 14 business days, depending on what their workload is. Right now we've slammed them, so it takes yeah. a lot longer. Gotcha. Uh, Did I you... go too fast? I'm sorry. No, no, heck no that's great. I I end up this is what I do, so I end up I really enjoy this part of it. So Laura, I think you had a, a pretty pretty neat deal that, that you went through with, with more or less from the ABBI helping you uh find a verification or something or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't remember if Marlissa remembers this. I'll probably never forget it, but when I first uh kind of sort of became a member, I guess, about my first breed bull and there was some confusion uh, about him for by no fault of the ABBIs, but he was registered twice and he didn't have a didn't have a dam listed. And uh, I was new to this, so I just emailed Marlissa and talked to her on the phone. And as she got time, she helped me out. Uh, long story short, it was a bull named Bar Six, and uh, I had heard the story about what his mother was supposed to be, and. Uh, track down you know the story from the original breeder and then from the guy that that bred to him and and uh, kind of relayed that message to marlissa and i don't know over the course of a few weeks or something it didn't seem to take all that long we found his mother which was really neat to find her uh because it matched the story perfectly but she didn't have a sire listed she she was registered there was about uh, see, Sam Andrews bought four or five cows from a man in Oklahoma, heifers from a man in Oklahoma, and he numbered them all all a certain way. He had an A. It was the only females that he ever numbered with an A in the herd number. And um, so we found we found her, and she was one of those, just like we had suspected. And then we'd always heard that his mom was a hooter daughter. Well, for whatever reason at that time, she didn't have a sire listed. So sure enough, Marlissa ran him against hooter. Bingle, bangle, bongo. Bar six has got a mom, and uh, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, those are those are the type of things that I really really enjoy, and maybe nobody else enjoys it as much as I do when they get kind of frustrated. But um, over the ten years that I've been here, because this is my tenth year, but over the ten years I've been here, I've I've been able to solve so many puzzling questions. Like, and it's amazing. The DNA is absolutely amazing, and and to figure out all these little puzzle pieces and kind of put them together for people that I enjoy that more than anything else. And so working on Thor's um, issue is like a puzzle piece, like going back and trying to find it and, and using all the information that he had. And then, and then there it is a almost complete pedigree for bar six, which is, um, you know, an animal that was born in 1998, right? Thor, that's, yeah, it was one of those. So, dang, you must have really remembered it to remember his birth year. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, like, it's so exciting. Those type of stories and those type of things, that that's what makes my job fun. And it might not make other other people, because it might have been kind of frustrating for Thor. But once we figured it out, and it gave me a little bit of time to kind of figure things out and try different situations, and different animals it and it, it i don't know how to explain it but it, it makes my job all all worth it plus working with the people well, I, but these puzzle ask, pieces are fun yeah it was gonna, sorry go ahead cal so i was just going to ask her if she if she if she remembered it or not but heck she answered it right in the same <laughs> yeah. deal with the thing birth year yeah it wasn't yeah. it wasn't frustrating for me at all i remember now uh Part of the reason why we were having so much trouble in the beginning is because I kept telling you, it's a Hooter daughter, it's a Hooter daughter. And I sat down and looked through Hooter's offspring and probably sent you every registration number of every female that even could have been remotely close. And it wasn't matching and it wasn't matching. It wasn't matching. And it was because 
his mom was registered, luckily, but at yeah. that time, for whatever reason, she didn't have Hooter as a sire. Uh, it was yeah. pretty, it was pretty neat because there was there was three or four or five other females. Uh, a seventy seven was Bar Six's mom. A seventy six uh, was another Hooter daughter, and she was the mother of Wapola. A seventy three was the mother to Bowtime, and A seventy four was the mother to Irksme. And if you look, if if anybody cares. Uh, those are the only the only females that Sammy has ever registered with an A in the herd number, and that matched the story that I had heard from Charlie John Coffee years ago uh, perfectly. It, I talked to James Andrews about it; it all made sense, and it was all it was all pretty neat to see that come come through with science and data and factual based, you know. Thank you. Yeah. So. It was awesome. <laughs> I've had so, I've had lots of instances over the years um, with those type of things, um, and it's just made it it makes me believe in the DNA a hundred percent. And so those types of stories and those types it makes me believe in the um, DNA a hundred percent. And that's why I'm um, so excited to be in this position and and help work work these problems out if people just take the time and, and think through like what what could have happened and mm-hmm. then I can help them um, almost indefinitely I can help them so kind of going with the process and like you said taking a little time and, and thinking of the possibilities kind of leads into the next question we have for you now you kind of explained the, the registration process but maybe maybe briefly go through some registration mistakes that that people make like whether they're sending in sample cards or or leaving stuff blank on on the internet or or whatever the case may be that kind of makes your job a little difficult and that could help make your job easier if they would do it x way well we we get a little bit of everything you know um just talking about the samples themselves blood samples Sometimes they become oversaturated on the FTA paper, and that FTA paper actually splices the DNA and gets the DNA ready for the lab. And if they oversaturate it, the the FTA paper can't do its job, and so then samples fail. And that's what um, I think a lot of people thought, well, if a little blood is good, I'm going to get a lot. And so we'll have lots of oversaturated blood samples, and then they'll, you know, the lab does its best to not let that fail and so they end up having to do a different sort of test which takes more time the other thing is oh go ahead i I was gonna say i could see how that's that's really good to know because i don't think a guy would really would really think that exactly what that paper does and that too much blood um would be not good that's that's interesting i think that uh that's that's good for good for people to know yeah, and the other other thing about going with blood samples is not enough blood. Now, the blood sample is the easiest, fastest way that the lab can process, and the reason is is because they have a machine that pokes little dots out, this you know, smaller mm-hmm. than a a pinhole, and so then it it does that. But if you get too little blood, then that machine is just you know picking spots, and then it's just not getting enough. And so that's again. So a dime size of blood is the perfect size. So that um, anybody that's doing blood samples, if they can do a dime size, that that would be great. Now going on to tail hair samples, and and everybody would think that you know, well the tail hair should is easier. And by far, I think it's a lot easier for people that are not used to drawing blood samples, but. What happens there is some people think that by pulling the hair on the top of the tail head would work, but those um, those root bulbs are just way too fine. And what the lab has to do on those is actually, you know, instead of trying to find it, they have to try to find it with a microscope. And again, they're probably not being able to get enough root bulb. And the root bulb is actually the tissue sample that they're using. That's why we ask from the switch of the tail because they're, you know, they're easy to see, and you can see that you've got enough of them. Oh yeah. And and people actually have to manually because I've been in the um, lab and they have to manually basically clip off those root bulbs. So if you don't have any, they can't get 
um, a sample. And we've seen people where they've cut off both ends. So they've cut <laughs> off the, the root yeah, holes and they cut off the other. So they just left us with the middle spot. Everybody that, that helps me pull tail hair on calves every year whips out their pocket knife. And I have to tell them, no, 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 we, we can't yeah. get it. We can't get it. We just pull it out. Yeah, you have to pull it out. You have to, and the easiest way to do it, I, and I have a video up there too, is wrapping around your um, finger and pulling. And it pulls it out, and you'll see all those root bulbs attached. Um, so those are two two very common mistakes. Um, our lab works with us more than anybody will know because they they try their hardest so that they have they have less than one percent fail rate which is amazing. We used to be up at 10% and now we're down at 1%. So combination of everybody's, you know, getting better at their sample taking and the lab working just with us has uh, in, uh, decreased our fail rate. So everybody's at least getting a genotype. Um, and some other things, you know, just to go over, you know, real quickly, you know, some people send it in and they don't, you know, they don't send in payment. So it kind of stops the process. So payments are good. Um, filling out all the information that's needed. Some people, when they fill out registration, they forget to do the date of birth. Those sort of things stops and slows it down. Um, on doing it online, making sure that all your sires and dams that you want to run to are listed. And it doesn't really limit the number that you can put in. It's just that you have to put them all in. So I always suggest to people, if you have five sires, put them all down. Make sure they're on every calf so that the system can do its thing, and then they'll feel better and they'll get their results faster. Mm -hmm. If there's um, any possibility, list, list it. Any possibility, whether it's a, I mean, a cleanup bowl, AI. And I think a lot of people want to make sure that their records are correct and and put on oh well it calved by this date it's got to be the ai well there's there's been so many times that it, it's just been the cleanup bowl um and and so if they just put that on it they'll have the results right away faster than what i can see them um and so because it it when i do the upload it does it all and then i go back and recheck everything Gotcha. Um, I'm trying to, I mean, there's all these little things that happen that kind of slows down process. So basically, um, but what, those are the, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, so basically what, what slows the process down is people not really taking their time and doing it, doing it, uh, the right way. And I guess I can blame myself too, cause I wait till 1158 <laughs> on the 31st to do it. But, uh. I think a lot of people are guilty of that. Maybe maybe slowing down and taking some time to do it the right way will help speed the process up, making sure all your info is there and yeah. proper. And and then when sending in the cards, going back to that, um, the registration number is really helpful, especially if you've done it online, so that we don't have to go back and, and verify um, and make sure everything's correct. We can do it once. And we don't have to double check ourselves because you guys have already put the registration number on. So then we double check that and then send it off to the lab. So that 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 speeds up the process a lot. A lot of people just leave the registration number off, and and then they go off by the brand numbers. And again, that that just leaves a little room for error. And we don't we want to keep error as low as possible. I've got a question about the tail hair cards, Marlissa. Yeah. There's a spot, I think it's at the bottom, I don't have one in front of me, that says date. Yes. What date am I supposed to put there? <laughs> the date on that is when you actually pulled your sample. Um, and the reason is, is because samples do expire. Now, we keep them for 20 years, but they will expire at some time. They won't be good enough to run again. And so we want to make sure that the date that... Um, is written on this card is the date the sample was pulled. Most of the people, um, you know, think it maybe it might be the birth date, but we already have the birth date listed. 
so we just need the date that the sample was pulled so that when we go back to look at these samples and, and use them again, that we can say, you know what, it's been 25 years, we can't use it again. So you mean, it's, it's, we, it's more of an insurance thing. You won't, I mean, if everything comes back the way it's supposed to come back, you won't ever need that sample again, right? Because you have the genotype yep. in the computer. It's, and, it's more of an yep, and usually, Yep, and usually we won't, and we we have very rarely had to go back, but if we need to pull, do more markers, that sample is always there. How many markers do you use? Eleven. Awesome. Is that industry standard? It, I know in the beef field, they don't DNA verify a lot of stuff in the registered beef side. Yeah, they use um, we use what is called mi microsats, and it's eleven, and it's a this is the bovine standard um, across the world. So even our Australia lab uses the same 11 markers hmm. so and it's universal so that that makes it really easy um, to say for Australia when they send our their samples their, their genotypes to me I can put them in the system and and it speaks yeah. the same language that was a question that I that I had kind of off our uh, guideline here but so, like, there's ABBI Canada, ABBI Australia, and, of course, in the U.S. All all of the above sends it to you, or does, does Canada have their own, Australia has their own labs? No, Canada sends to us, um, and Australia has their own. Mm -hmm. Because the time frame that it takes to get over here, you know, to do the sample processing and then back would would just delay it longer so we, but the we have a lab stuff, over there the australian stuff is in in the, the database that we yes. can access got you yep okay. mm -hmm. so they we use one central database awesome is there ever a scenario where you'd need to go back and look at more than 11 markers yeah and um in my experience it's been just mostly father son or mother daughter pairs that um well, yeah we've got a lot of those. may cause <laughs> yeah and and may cause where we need to go back and and look at extra markers if they don't um click right so if they don't match up right or they you know they're matching together then that's when we're going to have to look um beyond those 11 markers up to 22. i think i've heard after we go out so many at times that it's close but it's not it is that what yeah. you're talking about? Like it could be a son or it could be a brother. Or... Yes. Yeah. And one marker usually kind of leans in that same lineage. So when I'm working on my puzzle pieces, is I look look for something close, and then I kind of go back generations to go backwards, basically, and then try to find it. And that's that's what I've done with several cases, just trying to figure out who who the sire could be. So, is there ever a scenario? And I'm I'm playing hypothetical, long long shot kind of stuff. But is there ever a scenario that eleven markers of this bull happen to be happen to be the same of that bull, or does that not does that not happen? Uh, it doesn't happen unless um, it, you know, unless the same. Uh, just because there's so many combination of those eleven markers. Um, and in each marker, they have um, levels, and they go off by a number set through a grid. So there's so many combinations of that, of the 11 markers. We don't have so in that. each 11, yeah, in each 11 markers, you could have 10 to 15 data points. So you have to, and, and so it's, it rarely happens. I mean, I've never seen it happen, actually, unless they're clones. But it does happen in the clone deal? Well, yeah, clones are they're, exactly they're the same. same. Same genotype. Um, and that's because a lab is using the one genotype to turn on and off the markers of another to make a clone. I see. I didn't, I didn't mean to take us off course there. Those are questions I've always had the answer to. Uh, but the next question I was supposed to ask you was uh, uh, reason why do we why do we need to do a dam authorization? What's the what are we trying to prevent with that? Okay, so dam authorization started back before I 
I came in, in back before 2009. And, um, at first I'll be honest with you when I started, I was like, man, this is, this is kind of a pain, you know, everybody's like, most of the people are saying, okay. And, and I have to go back in and do more work, but we've had so many instances in the last 10 years that I've been here that it's, it's really important. And the reason is, is we have a, the breeder certificate program to protect the bulls. Well, we didn't have anybody protect anything to protect the cows and, and people could possibly just take your animal. I mean, and, and these are real life situations that they've, the animals went to the sale barn and they didn't want to sell with papers. You know, they didn't get enough money for them. And then all of a sudden, those calves are having calves. And the person that sold it had no idea. And then after the fact, they're calling the registry going, why did this happen? Why did you let it happen? It's like, well, we didn't, we didn't know any different. And so this helps stop it from, for, from the very beginning. Like they, the dam authorization happens right away. Now, if you have the transfer, it makes it a lot easy, easier. Everybody should have their animals listed in their inventory. That makes the integrity of the registry um, superior versus, you know, insuperior, insuperior, oh, excuse me, insuperior when you don't have everybody's animals in the correct red, um, inventory. And so when when we have those things happen, we we wanted to stop it before it started, not apologize for when it happened. And so that happened, you know, probably 2008, and that's why it kind of started in 2009. But I still have instances where people say, no, um, I didn't even know they had my cows. So, no, I'm not giving dam authorization. So kind of um, you, you kind of touched a little bit on, on the next couple of things, but what's, what's the easiest way to get a calf registered that you need a dam authorization? I mean, do we, this is going to sound like we have to do work, but do us as breeders, <laughs> do we have to print out a paper and all that? Or can the guy, the easiest way, the owner of the cow to email you and release that, that female or what, what, what do you prefer as far as for, for breeders to, to register a calf needing an authorization? Well, so the easiest way is to print out that form. And the reason is, is because if, if you go to register and you send that in with it, everything kind of goes seamlessly. Um, there's times where people forget to do the dam authorization and so then it kind of sits and waits and then when it sits and waits there then people are emailing me and and if I don't see it right away then everybody's like well I sent it in like you know 12 hours ago it should be updated but everything that I do comes in and it and I process it in the order it was received so so that everybody gets a fair shot right so that you know, not just jump in the gun. So um, if I don't see it, then it just waits until until I can get down or get through to all of those. Um, the easiest way to do that is by paper, but if people want to send me emails, I have no problem with it. I, um, you know, I will make sure and, and I check, um, try to make sure everything gets through. The reason also is is when it goes to waiting for dam authorization and it when you don't put it in right away, um, the system stops it because oh. nobody wants it to automatically come up and pop up a cow when it wasn't authorized. So same thing with the breeder's um, certificate, so it stops it. That genotype doesn't get in the system. So what I would I have to do is request the genotype from the lab. Again, it takes just an extra, you know, couple of steps, maybe some a couple of days before the lab can get back to me with those genotypes, with a request for those genotypes. So if you don't if you don't have a dam authorization at the time you register your calf, say you mail in with your tail your samples, then then your calf is on on say pending for until you get the authorization approved. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm with you. Gotcha. And so then 
it, it takes a few extra steps. Now, um, some people send it in beforehand, and then when I get through my list of waiting for dam authorizations, I have to go back through my emails and, and make sure that it's there. Um, so some people send it in beforehand, which works too, but I have to wait till the animal gets processed mm -hmm. again to process it. Just basically, so when you send the paper in with your samples, and when you when you take the samples out, you take the dam authorization out, and it's all good to go. At all yeah. Yeah. All at the same. So when the yeah when the samples go in, that gets taken off. It goes to the lab. Everything comes back smooth, because I don't when it, when the imports and exports go out, I don't necessarily see every single one of them. I verify and make sure that there's any questions. Other than that, I want the system to do its work. And I want it to be seamless so that it makes things come out faster and everybody gets their um, registration papers faster. All right, Mar Marlissa, what about transferring cattle? What's the easiest way to do that? Is it the paper way or the email way? Which um, I think again, that's a, a two-sided question because I know yeah. like instances of my own, obviously a guy, if he buys a cow and, and the, the, you know, the, the exchange of the cow, you know, hey, here's the money, here's the papers, pretty easy to fill that out, send it in with a check, no big deal. But, yeah. for instance, if the guy either, A, doesn't have the papers or he bought the cow from somebody and he lost the papers, I think it's kind of a roller coaster on more or less pretty self-explanatory on if the transaction is smooth between the buyer-seller, but maybe one step past that where he don't have the papers or whatnot. Yeah, and that it, you're exactly right because once you know the easiest way to do it is that transfer that paper just because it's in you know everybody's happy with that right they have the paper the other person has the check send it in and it goes pretty seamlessly when when there's something missing you know somebody hands over the check and then couple of weeks later, oh man, I forgot. And I, you know, so a lot of things happen in between the time you get the check and by the time you're, you know, the, the person's like, hey, I don't have my papers yet. And then, you know, they can definitely send me an email and we can do it and make it as fast as possible so that everybody's happy. Um, and that there's, there's two ways to do that. It's just, it just takes a little bit more time, in my opinion, without the transfer paper. Because sometimes even I get a call and they say, hey, um, did so-and-so release it to me? And I'm like, oh, I don't have it just yet, but I can send them an email if you'd like me to. So that the buyer is taken care of as well as, you know, the seller is informed. And so I, I'll do it both ways and I'll help as fast as I can. Um, but sometimes it just takes um, that extra time without the paper. Yeah. I know like, I've transferred cows in store as well, and probably everybody that's going to be listening. You send, you fill out the paperwork on the back of the registration papers, send it in. Heck, I've even sent it in with a note that said, call for payment. You call, done. I mean, it's done the same day. It's pretty yeah. easy. So, and I can see, you know, email and hey, this guy released the cow, well, I'll try and get in touch with him, and then you may have a wrong email, or they may not get back to you, or like me, I'm terrible at checking my email. So if you email me to release the cow, it probably ain't going to happen very fast. But, yeah, and then at that point, like, I will follow up with a, um, you know, call, or, you know, now that people look at um, a lot of the times the Facebook or um, social media, then I can get in touch with people there as well. Um, but it just takes a, an extra step, and um, and which I don't mind doing at all for anybody. It's just it just takes that extra time. Um, but I definitely will help anybody that I need to. Um, the other thing is is when they have big sales like ABBI sanctioned sales, most of the time they'll send a list and they'll pay for it. And then all of those get transferred. Those big, okay. those big sales. That makes it faster on those sales to do it that way, in one group. Um, and and definitely don't mind doing it that way either. 
So I, I personally, Thor maybe uh, has some more to add, but I, I really think as far as the, the registration process goes, we've, you know, talked about the process, proper ways to do things, dam authorization, uh, you know, registering calves that need an authorization, transferring cattle. Is there anything just that's on top of your brain sitting at the office right now that, that you want to add to, to this conversation, maybe something that you feel is important that we've skipped out on? Well, I do. Um, my biggest thing right now is that we want to get everybody's EID tags out. I know that's a, something that everybody's like, well, where are they? Well, if you if nobody has submitted a premises ID, um, there's a, a link on our website of all the states to get a premise ID, and they can come in and and once they get it, we'll fill it out, and then we can get their EID tag sent out right away. And probably everybody's like, well, why, why do we have to get a premises ID? Now that is required by the USDA. It is something that was made mandatory um, starting in 2015, but they're finally laying down the law and they did it in 2017. So we had to comply. And it's so that they can, uh, what I understand is that they can go to one tag, one EID tag, there, mm -hmm. and get rid of the metal tags, and so one EID tag. And so we have to comply with that, and so in order to get EID tags, everybody just has to submit their premises ID. The other thing is they have to make sure that it's a physical address because we can't send to PO boxes. How do we submit our premises ID number to you? Uh, you just, either you can send it to me by email or call me. I'd like it by email because they're it consists of letters and numbers and just so that nobody gets confused or there's something off it's better just have it written down and sent to email so that I can transfer it without I might mess up or you might tell me wrong and then it delays it again so I don't want you it know, to be delayed you know if the premise ID uh, if it costs anything varying from state to state or if it's a, a free thing or, or it, you know that it's detail. free okay it's free um, it doesn't cost anything um, most of the states will you call them up and they'll give it to you over the phone you give them just your name and address some states like Oklahoma make you fax in a paper um, some states like Ohio and Missouri they already have permits ID numbers for you, even though people didn't realize that, but they already have it for you. Interesting, interesting. Um, I'm at fault of that. I I don't have a premise ID. I, I guess I just am uh, not worried about it. But <laughs> yeah, you know, you just, we just haven't told the ABBI what it is yet. So I'll I'll uh, send an email tomorrow. I guess it's been awesome to talk to you, Marlissa. Why don't you tell our millions of listeners out there in podcast land? how we can email you what's your contact information okay contact is marlissa m-a-r-l-i-s-s-a at pbr.com um and everybody asks me why i'm pbr is i get so many emails that i it couldn't handle <laughs> is, that, is that updated on on the website do you know by chance um i know that they were working on it i haven't i've been so busy i haven't checked yet but i should do that um, and then and call the the main line, which is the seven one nine two four two two seven four seven extension one, um, for registration. And if I don't answer, more than likely I'm on the phone. So please either leave a message or, or leave a message with the front desk, so that I get your message and and I can handle um, any of your anybody's questions. So we I'm here to help. We shouldn't, <laughs> we shouldn't assume that you're just napping, right? Yeah, well, no, no, don't don't assume that. Gotcha, you're on the <laughs> Well, guys, uh, Marlissa, it's been it's been great to talk with you. Hopefully, uh, maybe this will this will help out for uh, on the breeders breeders in help out on on your end. Maybe if people will, will do things the right way or or expect uh, ways to to do things to get in touch with you to to uh, you know speed the process along on some some certain things and, and i think that we've cleared up a lot on on maybe the you know the premise id and and the the dam authorization and what makes that faster i know that's a kind of a i don't want to say a complaint but a lot of people don't mm -hmm. understand so so maybe they do now you know it's been 
been good uh, letting you talk about the whole registration process and kind of what your job entails. Really, it sounds like for one person, you got a, a full plate. Oh, and I'm, it's just not one of me. We have Marie. Marie has been oh. here as well 11 years, and she does all the inputting, and I do all the – so she does all the in, I do all the out. So there's two of us. But um, and she does a great job. But I'm I'm the one that answers all the questions. And, um, but yes, yeah. But she does it. She, I mean, she does all the inputting. But I do all the the out out. But um, the other thing is, I didn't. Um, I know that some people have already joined, but there is the ABBI info page. And honestly, you're talking to me on the Facebook ABBI info page. So. Um, I just thought maybe it would be best to have that out there so that people, if they have any questions, concerns, or, you know, would like to put something out there that everybody could benefit from, I wanted to use that to answer any questions. I think if we... That's a great idea. You know, keep an open communication um, with my part in the registry and, you know, events, any of that stuff that everybody is um, feeling that that we're here for you. I guess since we're kind of towards the end here, what, uh, you got, you got any picks for Oklahoma city? No, no, I I don't dare devil in that part of it. (laughs) Well, sure. Do you, do you go to Vegas? Do you go to any events or, or I, I do go to Vegas. Yeah, I do go to Vegas and I'm there the whole time. And usually up at the, at the booth in the front. So, um, if anybody sees me or wants, you know, needs anything there or just wants to introduce um, themselves, please do. I mean, I try to, I try to remember everybody, but it's kind of hard to do. But I'm always there and helpful, help, you know, and wanting to help there too, because I'll do all the registry, and I can do it there at Las Vegas too. Oh, so if anybody awesome. has registration questions there too. Awesome. Thor, you got anything uh, on, that you can think of kind of wrap wrap it up? Man, I think that's a wrap. We did pretty good. We covered Oklahoma City. Uh, my pick is – I don't know. What is my pick? Strange. That's the one I'm going with, man. What are you going with? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really want to make a pick. I think it's going to be uh, – I think it's going to be pretty stout, and it's going to be up to how them bulls get showed. But yeah, I'm not afraid to be wrong. Strange cargo. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> well, Marlissa, it was great talking with you. Thank you uh, for for everything. And uh, guys, this has been another episode of Buck and Stock News podcast. And thanks for listening.